It's my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. No, 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 no. My name is Brent Allen, and Did I... Did I say Brent Allen? No, no. I am watching Babylon 5 for the first time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, did I just mess that up? No, it's just about as anticlimactic as this episode was, Jeff. That's, that's all I was going for. Uh, but hey, listen, we'll get into all of that. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters. We just give the podcast. We just said it. Oh, there you go. There's there's the wrap up. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Right. <laughs> That's it. Right. There we go. Uh, we are watching Babylon 5 for the first time and not comparing it to Star Trek, but we're using that lens that we've gained as over analytical Star Trek podcasters and applying that to Babylon 5 to see if there's any message of hope message for the future what was it jms was actually going for when he was uh developing the show and should we have watched this one sooner and while this is not a star trek podcast we are star trek podcasters so we tend to bring in the references but honestly brent we haven't had a whole lot of the star trek references no i don't know that we will this episode either Maybe I, well, we will. I we're gonna have i know we got probably one if, if depending on where we go i've got one that i i kind of have but part of that's because we're really getting kind of entrenched into what babylon 5 is but we sure. put our game into place called the rule of three where we're each limited to three no more star trek references to keep us focused on babylon 5 when we make that <laughs> that's the sound you'll hear whenever there's a reference you may hear up to six. Well, seven, because I did that one. Brent, I am so excited to share with you some comments and, and emails and tweets that we got. Can I'm I- so excited to hear them. Let's go. So if you remember last week, right, we got a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And whenever we get a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you get to hear this. Oh, yes. So go click that right now. I'll remind you at the end again. But give us one of those so we can hear that. But TSF76. Oh, yeah, this gave- guy. Yeah, gave us a uh, a five-star review and said that Babylon 5 had, had a massive impact on his life. Brent said, hey, reach out to us. He did. Cool. He did. I was so excited. Like, I got into the inbox. And I'm like, oh, there he is. So he says that the life-impacting bit. I is- wonder, Jeff, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. I, like, I wonder if he heard, like, our episode and then responded or if, like, he just followed up on his own. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the timing of how that came in. Go ahead. I'm it's sorry. worth asking, though. Yeah. No, this is pretty cool, and it's got some homework for you and a, you and me on it at the uh, the end of this. Yeah, so. Okay. But no, uh, it says the life-impacting bit involves Ivanova, and I actually got to thank Claudia at a Babylon Confidential book signing. She's a pretty amazing human. He also shared about Claudia Christian's autobiography, Babylon Confidential, which uh, that's going to have to go on our post-series reading list. But there's some stuff that happens in season two with Ivanova, and he was able to personally thank her for portraying that when uh, when he met her at the book signing. That's cool. Yeah, really cool. All right. That's cool. I dig it. I dig it. On YouTube. Hi, YouTube. In the comments there. What's up, YouTube? We're kind of on an Ivanova Ivanova go on this one, but Hobby Mm -hmm. View says, this is a short one, but all that needs to be said, if you like Ivanova now, just you wait. She gets some of the best lines in the series. You'll be getting finger cramps from all the chef's kisses you'll be doing. She already has some of the best lines of this series, man. She she had one today, too. Yeah, she had a couple in this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so good. Now, Brent, this next one, um, this next one's not great, and it's kind of directed at you. Me? Yeah. What did I do? Well, I'm going to read it. It's uh, I just kind of wanted to let you know it's. Okay. But this is what we're going to do, right? We want to hear from all, all of you. Of yeah, we want to hear it sure. all. And we're not going to like, you know, sugarcoat things and make, oh, everybody loves us so much. Okay. They don't all. So this this gentleman, uh, E. Mark M., I'll, I'll cover up his last name for him. Okay. But uh, went to our website, Babylon5first.com, number five, wordfirst.com. And he said, I'm going to kind of put this together a little bit. And I, do, I'm, I am serious, Brent. Like, it's not great to start. Okay. 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 <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> He says, okay, 
I'm going to try and keep from swearing as that's unprofessional. But every time that chuckle nugget, Jompre or whatever his dumb name is, every time he says Ivanova or Delon, I want to stop listening and unsubscribe. Hold on. Did he just call me a chuckle he nugget? Did. He did. <laughs> well, to call you anything else would have been unprofessional. Whatever his dumb name is, Brent. It's Brent. <laughs> I don't think it's that dumb of a name. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But here's some icing on the cake. He says, uh, this is just after episode two. What? Soul Hunter. And it's already pretty infuriating. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by your premise and want to give the show a fair shake, but this guy. And he goes on. And this is kind of where I kind of lost it. The thing is... I have to think it's intentional. He has he has to apparently think this is intentional. The intentional mispronouncing of several major character names is indicative of an utter lack of respect for the material. There's nobody in the show who says the words Ivanova. It's just not the character's name. And they, you clearly heard the name enough to get it wrong in a way that has to be intentional. Okay. So that's from Mark. E. Mark. Do I get to respond? Yeah, please do. Should I respond? Also, though, Brent, Brent, we don't get – we're not going to be unprofessional. He has set the bar at no unprofessionalism for us, so we're going to honor this that. This is a family-friendly show. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about professional. We'll keep this for the kids. There, there's little little ears listening out there. Um, uh, first of all, Mark, uh, thank you for your comments and your insightfulness. Um, I am going to summarily dismiss everything you said except for you're intrigued by the show's premise and you hope that it goes somewhere because it does. Uh, you're on episode two. Frankly, I don't know that you're ever going to hear this one because this is episode 18. Okay. A clear lack of respect for the material. I couldn't have respect one way or the other by episode two because it was new. The characters were new. And yes, I called her Ivanova for a very long time. In fact, Jeff, I believe it was, a handful of episodes ago, maybe more now, probably like half the episodes back. I said at some point mid show, like I, like I probably was like three or four shows in a row. I was like, ah, I keep mispronouncing her name. Mm -hmm. Is it intentional? No, you don't have to believe that. And if you, you and if you do have to believe it, then you're probably not going to believe me when I tell you. No, it wasn't intentional. It's I'm new. I don't ever recall calling Delin Delon. I remember that. I mean, it might have happened as a slip of the tongue or something at some point. Okay, dude, you're on you're on episode two. Um, if it if it makes you that upset and infuriated that somebody who is brand new to the show is mispronouncing people's names, it shouldn't make you that upset. It just shouldn't. I, I appreciate that you're uh passionate and protective over the characters and the material. I promise you, Jeff and I are going to get there if we're not there already. I have said so many times, Ivanova, <laughs> sorry. See, look, you've already got me doing it. I fixed it, and now you've got me back doing it. Ivanova is probably my favorite character on the show. Mm -hmm. I love her. She is amazing. I think the actress is amazing. I think the way she portrays her is amazing. I love the story that's coming out about Ivanova and her life. And seriously, if you're going to let my pronunciation, mispronunciation of her name, because you're now going to assign a motive and assume there are a thousand other podcasts, dude. Go enjoy them. There's a million. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope you stay with this because I think this is an excellent show. And so do our listeners and viewers out there. And Jeff, I'm going to, you're going to have to mark this. I'm going to leave that to you to clean up and edit and do whatever you need to on the back end. Oh. YouTube gets the full unedited version, but uh, uh, you, you, I'll leave you to, to figure that out. So, uh, but Mark, thank you for your, for your comments and your response. That is always appreciated. And I do hope you make it to this point to hear this response. I agree. You're awesome, Brent. You took that really Thanks, well. Jeff. You took that really well. Thanks. <laughs> you are too. I, you know what I appreciate about you, Jeff, you seem to have gotten a little miffed on my behalf and I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause here's the thing, right? Like there's, there's what you want to think and then there's reality. And the cool thing about life is you can choose to believe whichever one you want, but you don't need to force that belief on anybody else. You don't need to put that on mm -hmm. anybody. And, and this has been a journey for both of us. I, 
um, we've messed up the Star Fury name, you know, for the the fighters. Sure. Super. We've messed those up. We we're in the middle of a weird thing around viewing order, and people have thoughts on the viewing order for against whatever. Cool. Mm-hmm. Bring it all on. But when you come at us, either one of us, you come at Brent, and you come at me, and you start throwing lines like John Bray and Chuckle Nugget. Chuckle Nugget. No. Nope. We're done, dude. And uh, like, frankly, I was going to have this be a private conversation between you and I. I'm like, dude, this guy's saying this stuff. But yeah. no, I think this is something people need to hear because we've talked multiple times about how great the Babylon 5 community is. We've experienced zero yeah. gatekeeping. We've experienced mm-hmm. zero toxicity. In fact, yep. we have people out there actively policing Twitter and other channels for us, warning yep. us not to look at things for spoilers. And you're incredible. We have people who apologizing when they slip up and give a slight yes! spoiler that we don't even necessarily realize is one. It's fantastic. Yeah. And this one, there's one, right? One that comes in. And you know what? We'll respond. We will listen to anything anyone has to say. Doesn't mean we're going to change. Doesn't mean we're going to apply. But we'll hear you. We will always mm-hmm. hear you. But you get personal. There you go. There you go. I, I will say 10 points for Chuckle Nugget because that one's brand new. I've had a lot of insults in my life. Chuckle Nugget, that's the first time that I've is ever pretty had good. that one. <laughs> It's kind of fun, <laughs> but don't call me that again. No, no. Nope. I'll cut you. I'll cut you. I no, will I carve your bones into <laughs> flutes. <laughs> I will. Wait, what'd she say in this episode? Ivanova <laughs> is God. I will rip your throat out, your lungs out. Sorry about that part. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community, and you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah. So, so some really great yeah. stuff from people. And I will tag that just by once again saying TSF. I'm so glad you reached out to us. Yes. I love that. Your, is amazing. I can't wait to learn more about your awesome story. And everybody else who comments and, and all that, you guys, you guys rock. Totally. Uh, like seriously, Jeff, you, you nailed it on the head when you said we have experienced zero of the toxicity and gatekeeping and stuff that honestly ver- is very much alive and exists in other, all of them. Like all of them. Yeah. 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 The Babylon five community is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that one guy, I'm going to assume the best, not what he did for me, but I'm going to assume the best of him that it's just that he loves the show so much. And he's just that protective of it and he'll get over it and he'll get to this episode and we're good to go. Yeah. It'd be good. We'll be best friends. We'll be besties. Well, we're upsetting people and getting them all <laughs> fired up. Let's uh, let's wrap back to the game that we play that so many, a lot of people really, really enjoy. And a lot of people can't stand at all. Mm. <laughs> that is true. This one is a little divisive. Uh-huh. That is fair. But uh, Brent, what, uh, what did you guess based on the title alone? What a voice in the wilderness part one was going to be about. Yeah. I said that this was going to be uh, straight out of the Bible that we're going to get like John the Baptist rolling up in here and, I said that it was going to be a Mimbari. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that, that it was something about Mimbari, and it was probably going to continue the threads that we had picked up last week in the episode Legacies. I don't know that it did that. Maybe it does, maybe not. We didn't really finish a whole lot here, but we did get an old Mimbari, dude. We did. I don't know if he is the voice in the wilderness or if it's this other dude who's flashy thinking like Obi-Wan Kenobi rolling through. I'm assuming it's actually that dude. Uh, but that was my guess, was it was going to be, very big religion, somebody preparing the way for something to happen. My guess harkens back to an old comment by, I think it was on Twitter, uh, who said, wouldn't it be funny if all of your guesses from here on out were that you hope it's a sequel to Believers? <laughs> That's what I was thinking it was going to be. 
right? Right? Yeah, I was way off. Not even, not even touching. But for those of you who haven't watched this show in 30 plus years, for those that are watching along with us, for those who are just listening to this and not watching the show, Brent, why don't you remind everyone what A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1 was about? Okay, well, let's see. Um... First, uh, there's this new guy coming onto the station, except at least this time he doesn't seem to be the bad guy. At least we don't think he is. We really just don't know yet because we didn't watch part two. This guy's name is Drawl, and he's a Mimbari, and he's looking for Ambassador Delin. Turns out he was a mentor and a teacher of hers. He's concerned that Minbar is changing into something that he doesn't even recognize anymore. Well, that feeling sounds familiar. He feels like his people have seemed to become lost, and he's powerless to help them course correct. Again, I really feel like I know that feeling. Apparently, he's also dying. So he wants to go out to the sea so he can be of some usefulness before he bites it, which is weird because when he was talking about going out to the sea, I just thought that that was a euphemism for biting it, but I guess not. Anyway, that's really all that happened with him, so I'm sure we'll catch up with what's really going on in the next episode. Meanwhile, back a little closer to home, and by home, I mean Earth, not Babylon 5, over on Mars, people are rioting and rebelling against the Earth provisional government. It's bad, and it's sad to see on the news. We learned that Sinclair was born there. He doesn't really know anyone there. Everybody's moved away since then, but Garibaldi sure does because that's where he was right before he came to Babylon 5 just a couple of years ago. He's concerned about an ex-girlfriend, one that he was pretty serious about for a while. It was actually him accepting the assignment on Babylon 5 that caused their breakup, but she refused to leave, and now he's concerned about her. He asks Talia to contact that super-secret Psychor base that's on Mars that no one except for Psychor is supposed to know anything about to find out if she's okay. Their response is, what super secret base? We don't have a super secret base here on Mars, and neither is your girlfriend. Uh, she's not on the list of survivors, but she's also not on the list of dead or wounded, so maybe she's not even here at all. Inconceivable, Garibaldi says. And that's where this thread ends for the episode. I'm sure we'll find out more next week. All right, now while all of that is happening, Epsilon 3, which by the way, Jeff, did you ever know that the name of the planet that Babylon 5 is is orbiting is called Epsilon 3? Yeah, I learned something today. I didn't even know that they were orbiting a planet. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It acts like an anchor for a point in space, but sure, there we go. Uh, Epsilon 3 has begun to act really funny. They send a team of scientists down there led by Dr. Tasaki. Strangely, a beam of light begins to be emitted from the planet. It's a beacon of some kind. Don't worry. Everyone's okay. They're not just red shirts down there. All right. Well, they're going to try it for a second time, but this time around, they're going to take some star furies with them who totally don't do their job. And now this supposedly uninhabited planet is shooting missiles at them from five miles below the surface. That seems weird. So Sinclair and Ivanova are going to do what Sinclair and Ivanova do. They're going to go check it out together in the same shuttle pod. Hey. What could go wrong there? When they get down there, they find a cool landing pad. They find a huge subterranean system with machines as big as buildings. And eventually, they find a single humanoid who's been appearing as a vision to several people on the station asking for their help. He says that if Sinclair and Ivanova don't help him, it's going to be bad for everyone everywhere. All their people are going to die. So Sinclair opts to take him back, pull him out of the machine but there's a cave-in that they're going to have to figure out their way around. They only have so much air in those breathers that they have. It's literally not a problem at all because there's a smash cut to them getting back on the shuttle pod. And they just slowly make their way back up to Babylon 5. But while that's happening, the jump gate activates and a ship emerges through the jump gate. Apparently a really, really big ship. And it leaves Garibaldi's jaw on the floor. And that's where it ends. And I'm sure we'll... Figure it out next week. Do you know, I didn't, I don't know. Was this like part one and then next week was part two or did people have to wait like three months? I don't know. I have no idea. Cause I feel like that, that very different. I mean, it's a good cliffhanger. Yeah. It's a good cliffhanger. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's quite, it's quite as good as uh commander wharf fire. It's definitely not a who shot JR. No, not yeah. Which I, no, I still hold as the greatest cliffhanger in history. Mm, I'm going to, I'm putting best of both worlds above it, but really I put them both in the top three. I don't even know what number three is. I'll put them in the, in the top two. Now I'll give you, you know what the, 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 the best cliffhanger to me ever was 
was a show called Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Star Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane. And it was the, it was the season finale where Clark gets down and asks Lois Lane to marry him. And she goes, who's asking Clark Kent. And then she rips off his glasses and goes, or Superman. Dun, dun, dun. It's done. Done. I was like 10 and I went, ah! <laughs> that was, that was a good cliffhanger. That was anyway, good. Go ahead. But so last week, right, I, I just had this weird feeling where just the everything kind of felt uncomfortable to me and mm-hmm. I just couldn't wrap myself around around the episode. But that wasn't the case with this one. Like this felt like this is Babylon 5 again. But I think part of what helped it is kind of the point you've been making as we've been talking was the pacing and like how much story was in this. Like there were a whole like 90 second scenes of showing people just doing their jobs which was cool. I don't, I don't not like that. It gave a lot of room for scenes to breathe. What I'm terrified of though, is we got like 35, a 35 minute episode in a 43 minute time slot. I don't want the next one to be a 60 minute episode in a 43 minute time slot. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we've seen, we've had those two parters in other series before where it's just like, Hey, we didn't get everything in the first one. So now we're going to make a, you know, a 10 episode season and eight of the episodes are going to fill in the blanks that we should have set up in the first. And yeah, we don't need that, but, or you get the other one where, you know, they have, it, it was about an hour and a half worth of time to fill, but they really only have about an hour and 10 minutes worth of story. And then, and they spread that between the two episodes yep. and neither episode feels, feels complete. Yeah. And this, I just hope the other one isn't so overloaded. Yeah. What saved this episode for me and that I loved was Londo, Londo, Londo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. Yeah. But honestly, Delenn as well. I got so much out of her, just the way she was portrayed. She was legitimately excited and happy and moved and sad. But I think this was a great this was a really good, like, setting the table. I'm legitimately excited to find out all the stuff out of Epsilon 3, what happens in Mars, and is is Drawl really Delenn's best friend? Or is he here to train the new human troll hunter, James Lake Jr.? Yeah, I don't know if anybody's going to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm still in, in. I'm still in the first part of uh, Troll Hunters. Uh, trying to make my way through it as, Such a great as best I can. Such a great oh, show. I, I yeah. I'm. I'm loving that one too. Anyway, um, I got to be honest, Jeff. I don't understand why we're watching this one in two episodes. We had this discussion last week. Like, are we going to watch it as one episode? Or are we going to do two? We were advised to do it as two. Mm-hmm. Like, ve- like, like adamantly. Like, you do this as two. Yeah. These things are packed, and that's. That's what freaks me out about part two. Like, yeah, are we going to be done here in 20 minutes? And then next <laughs> week, are we going to be on here for three and a half hours to get through? Every, like, mm, I hope not. Right. So I, I trust the person who told us to do it in two slots. And I'll, I'll recognize the idea that we're only halfway through this. But this feels incredibly incomplete. It This episode, to what you were just saying, Jeff, felt like it moved at a snail's pace and didn't really do much. Yeah. I understand that it's set up a lot and next week it's probably going to be a lot of pew, 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 action, 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 pew, pew, pew. But frankly, at the end of the day, I just, there's not a lot to talk about. Like I, I think a lot of our conversation around this episode is going to be like, yep, that happened. I don't know why we'll figure it out next week. I think that's going to be the majority of our conversation tonight. Well, I think I think there's some stuff we can talk about in the traditional Babylon 5 way of cuz so rarely are things answered. But like looking at Delenn and Drawl mm-hmm. uh coming coming together like when he came around the corridor and she was coming into her quarters, like I've never seen a beaming smile from Delenn. Like Oh, she was so happy yeah, to see him. That yeah. was so good. And just I mean great great relationship good chemistry i mm-hmm. i i desperately hope that th- this doesn't end with him going to the sea like i want to see more of him and delenn can i make a prediction okay so the the dude that they pulled out of the machine at the end of the episode the voice of one crying in the wilderness i it's going to be something where he's not doing something in the machine right like he's about to die and so, like he's at the end of his whatever that's that's holding back this beacon that's just called through the jump gate, whatever it is. And I think this dude is going to be like his replacement down there. Oh, like, like he's like the new battery. 
to get plugged in to hold everybody back or, or something like that. Like I, that's my guess. Okay. I, that's that. I, yeah. Hopefully that's, I don't want to say hopefully that's where that goes, but that's, yeah. that's all I can think. I don't know. I don't know anything about was that due to, well, we'll talk about that a little more later. Yeah, We don't know. We don't, I mean, I mean, this was the premise of lost, right? Yeah. Like the whole premise of lost was the caretaker of the Island looking for a replacement. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, can I tell you what I noticed about this guy? has nothing to do with the story. Is it the wingy pointed uh, headdress thing? From our conversation last week, he had the W headpiece and Delin has the, the, the single pointed one, which made me wonder, maybe it's not religious cast versus warrior cast. Cause this guy definitely felt like religious cast. Yeah. Maybe it's just more male, female. Like I actually just looked at linear. He's got the W yeah. also. Does he? Yeah. I think it, I think it All might right. be male, female thing. Okay. Fair enough. Which is interesting because, you know, it's the, disappointing. It is. Well, yeah. one, because there's so many other opportunities, but also right. in the gathering and really for like the first little bit of Minbari stuff, I think we had speculated that they might be like an androgynous people, like they're non-binary androgynous kind of a per- yeah. race. And I, I, was, about that. I was like, oh, that would be really cool. One, clearly, no, they're clearly male and female character, but then also to go as far as to be like the the skullet headdress thing is also your, your gender. Yeah. I think it'd be a little disappointing. I don't have anything else about the drawl situation. Like, I don't know why he went to go meet Londo. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. He's going out to see. I want to talk about Londo though, really quick okay. in that. Cause I thought it was really sure. interesting that, uh, Delenn brings him in and oh, you're a friend of Delenn. So you're a friend of mine. Basically right. he chose of the billion and a half topics that he could have brought into this conversation with, this old friend of the lens, he brings in the hokey pokey. <laughs> Why do you think he did that? It, I mean, it's, it could be literally what he was just looking at and it was just top of mind and it was really bugging him. And that's what they walked in on him. I feel like he was looking at something else though. Yeah. And this was uh this was a diversion, although something true. Cause there's a, there's a great line that Londo and Delenn, a sentiment really that they shared of like, man, these earthers, like they seem awesome. And then they're a complete mess all at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Like there's no accounting for these people. Like what's going on with them. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's earthers. Yep. That's what we are, <laughs> you know? And they're like, they have this, this litany of just culture and, and amazingness and they can write these symphonies and they can do all of this. And then they teach their kids. Every generation teaches them this song. You know the song I thought that they were going to go to? Was it Happy Birthday? No. Oh, that's what I thought they were going to Rockabye Baby. I was thinking it was going to be Rockabye Baby, which is a horrible nursery rhyme. Most are. It's a kid falling out of a tree. (laughs) Go to sleep, little one. It's all okay. It's going to be You're about to die. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, but he goes to the hokey pokey. He's like, it means nothing. I think it means something. And this was a seed planted for probably a small payoff, but somewhere down the down the road there'll be something. And he literally figures out that the hokey pokey literally is what it's all about. Putting it in, putting it out, shaking it all around. Like that's what it's all Jeff, about. Jeff, Jeff, this is a family friendly podcast, buddy. <laughs> what are you doing? Wow. You're the one that went there. <laughs> <laughs> My face is getting redder on your behalf. Jeff. Family friendly, pal. I got to keep that in mind. But to use that as a segue and to pivot into kind of the the Mars stuff and everything there, that sure. the scene where Londo sat down with Garibaldi in the bar. Oh, such a good scene. So good. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. But I loved, I loved Londo like just sitting down with him, sharing the story, and then just telling him like, dude, you just looked like you needed a friend. Yeah. That, uh, He's going to go spread happiness throughout the station yeah as ambassador come on neelix that's your third and out and you i almost want to count that it's an yeah oof that's just mean man to like compare him to neelix oh man i love neelix neelix is my dude man there's somebody that does that's that's fine (laughs) but garibaldi was upset because of was her name uh lise was the girlfriend? It wasn't Lisa. It was, yeah, you're right. It was Lise. Like mm-hmm. maybe short for Elise. Maybe. Like Harriman or Harrison or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I caught like in the recap, you said, you know, his choice to go to Babylon 5 was really what tore him apart. But mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a lot more 
to it. And I think that his alcoholism had a lot to do with it. And just a lot of that, um, you know, the trouble that, that followed him from job to job. And so he was, mm-hmm. I, I don't see Garibaldi being an easy guy to date. Like, well, let's say Mars Garibaldi, maybe Babylon 5 Garibaldi is. And hey, maybe Talia Winters will find out because he is sure overly aggressively pursuing. Her. Oh, we were, we were back to pervy Garibaldi in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And shame and shame on Sinclair for not being like, hey, that because not only not only was he in the in the lift waiting for her, but like he was there and he just had this like look on his face like, yeah, hi, hi, I'm, <laughs> I've got a spot for you here. And Sinclair's like, yeah, let's go somewhere else. No, dude, step up and manage that guy. Like that's inappropriate conduct. Oh, I would be like, dude, you're supposed to be his wingman. Like, help him, <laughs> help him out there, brother. <laughs> like, hey, you're waiting for, forever for another lift. You need to get in there. <laughs> Hey, uh, I forgot something back in my office. I'm going to go grab it real quick. <laughs> Let you all ride together. <laughs> Stop. Just freeze those lifts for him. He's like, oh, I don't know. There seems to be a power failure. Mm, we'll have that done mm. here in about mm, 47 minutes. So Mars is attacking? <laughs> no? Mars attacks? Oh, I, You know, I never saw that movie. What? I've never seen that movie. All right, we're mm. done. I think we're done here. It's a classic. It is so good. That's the sound. The I would, n- I would not describe Mars tags as a classic gets because you haven't seen it. Okay. Fair enough. It's so good. But yeah. So free Mars has stood up and looking for free freedom. Yeah. But I have a theory. I have a theory on free Mars. Go ahead. Psychor has a not so secret secret base. That's right next to one of the cities. It was a quarter mile away from the fighting. So it's close, close to the cities there. When we found out through the Ironheart storyline mm-hmm. how Psychor is basically the big bad from Earth, I think they've been there on Mars telepathically fueling the fires for free Mars, trying to bring them to this this crescendo they're at now. In the meantime, you know, we learned in eyes that they were out buying weapons and, and arming themselves for this whole thing. And then Psychor is the one that flipped the switch. So I, I think that when they shut Winters down for the communication, it wasn't just like we're secret and we need to stay secret. It was, we're basically mind controlling a war zone right now. And we can't have you in the middle of that stuff, especially not some government guy like Garibaldi, a security government guy. For, yeah. Yeah. We could sniff that out. Girlfriend. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, Jeff, but I have no idea because the episode didn't finish. No, I think, I, I think the, I don't think we're going to get resolution to free Mars next week. Oh, probably not. No. no, this is, this is definitely a, uh, seed seeds are planted, uh, fuses lit. Yeah. It's probably more the seeds are planted. This is, this is, you know, that thing has germinated and it's sprouting. Yeah. It's the, growing. the seeds were planted in eyes. Now, now it's, it's, it's coming up and then it's, it, it'll blow up. This is along with home guard and everything. This is some of the slow burn stuff. That's now just starting to burn. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting though. Watching Sinclair and Ivanova, I think it was actually we saw Sinclair watching it, but we heard about it from the others. Watching on the news this thing happen, which is obviously so far away from where they are. Yeah. Like whatever's happening on Mars isn't going to touch them directly. You know, they might be indirect, whatever is processed on Mars, whatever supplies, however that's working. But there is still a connection. Like that's our place. Like that's the part of our deal. And frankly, that's what I felt like on January 6th, yeah. 2021, watching crap happen at our Capitol and going like, I'm completely helpless to do anything about it. I'm really sad that this is happening. And honestly, it's so far away from me. It's not touching me. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get in my car and go to ball practice after this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or, or even, I mean, I go back to, to watching nine 11 on TV. That's another huge event in our nation. Like I was in, Clearwater, Florida, the day that happened. Not anywhere near New York or Washington, D.C. or any of those places. So, you know, it it was a it was an interesting watch seeing how they responded to that kind of stuff. Just like like they were emotionally hit by it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's that difference between I'm in Clearwater, Florida, and that's New York and whatever. And I'm from Clear I'm in I'm in Clearwater, Florida, but moved yeah. here from New York. Like yeah. when I saw the video of the tower coming down, I remember when I used to cross the street there. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Well, it, or like, cause I remember like my buddy, 
His dad was working in the building that day. Thank God he called in sick that particular day. Wow. wow. But he couldn't get he couldn't get through to find out what's going on with his dad. He he just thought his dad was at work that day. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't until probably noon or lunchtime that he found out his dad stayed home that day. I think it says a lot about the the foresight, the prescience of JMS and how mm-hmm. one this was pre nine eleven things things yeah. like this hadn't happened. I think this was might have been somewhat close to the Oklahoma City bombing that and that was that was our big terrorist event it with you know on u.s soil at that point and so to take that was one of our own too exactly that was yeah. one of our own that wasn't a foreign power coming or a foreign terrorism group coming in so yeah but I, that was our frame of reference but he was able to portray in that little scene like this is what this is what's going to happen in eight years you know or seven or eight years from when when this mm-hmm. episode aired but beyond that kind of rewinding a little bit to where you had mentioned when drawl was talking about how he sees Minbari society falling apart. Mm -hmm. That's he could have been talking about our society here on earth right now today, right? People that are lost drifting, uh, anger beneath the surface and growing every day. And the one that really hit me that like, like, wow, that's us is that self-involvement above the needs of, of others. And this was in 1994. Yeah. Here we are 28 years later, literally doing that. We're not any better. It's, I mean, you know, that's where, that's where the analytical lens that we use for the show comes into play there, Jeff, mm-hmm. because that literally flips back to Delenn when Delenn and Londo and Sinclair are doing the trade route negotiation piece. Mm-hmm. Londo talks about how he and the Narn will hate each other forever because it's physics, right? An equal and opposite reaction. So they'll hate us and we'll hate them. Then they'll hate us more and we're just victims of mathematics. And then Delenn is like, we have to do better because if we don't do better, there's no point to life. Yeah. Well, and, and Sinclair said, you don't have to respond that way. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to believe what you want to believe about somebody else. Yeah, people. right. You don't have to believe that someone else's intent is what you think that it is. Right. Yeah, you can make you that choice. You don't have to believe that. And you can choose to respond or not respond and wherever you want to go. Anyway, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it's it was a revelation through my time doing Beam Me Up and, and still as that's going on, the number of times that something is happening and they're they're doing this in the mid-90s. They're doing this in the early 90s, the late 90s, even in the 60s. And like, and here we are in the the 2020s, 20 teens, whatever, and we still haven't figured it out. We might actually even be worse now than we were then. Like, that's just crazy. Come on, guys. Let's get it together, folks. Right? We can be better. We can be better. Just got to choose how we react. Follow the words of Sinclair. That's it. There you go. All right. Let's talk about, I guess, the big thing. Yeah. This is the voice crawling in the wilderness. Uh there's a planet that they're orbiting around. Cool. It's an anchor point for the, for the, that's what I'm assuming. It's an, you know, keeps them in orbit. It's an uninhabited planet. There's absolutely nothing down there until it turns out there is, they're shooting off a beacon. They kept calling it a beacon and apparently it called whatever the ship is that came into it. it very much reminds me of season one of another. So it turns out this planet probably was really inhabited and there's this dude hooked up to a machine down there. Who's, you know, asking for help in a telegraph telepathic way or holographic way. One of the two uh, could have been technological could have gone either way. I'm not really sure which one it was. And he's been down there apparently alone, I guess, you know, big stuff happening. This planet isn't just a planet. I loved when his like hologram or telepathic thing showed up. I loved what yeah. he said. I loved how he looked at him and he said, this is set the alpha five. <laughs> like, but we did the scans and there was no one here. Right. <laughs> not supposed to be there and something's obviously there and it called this big thing to him and what the heck's happening i don't know so here's my question at a more meta level of of everything knowing what we now know about michael o'hare yep was it in absolutely disgusting horrible taste to have him be one of the people that saw this vision that no one else i was thinking that yeah I really was. I don't know how much JMS fully knew at the writing of this. Like 
the writing of this episode because from from the way I understand the story, Michael O'Hare really wanted, like he was trying to protect the show and didn't want things to shut down. So if they already kind of had this in the hopper, if they had this planned out and he was going, no, 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 don't change this because of me. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he was the one to, that kind of put the kibosh on that, like, I don't, I don't know, yeah. but I did have that thought. Like, you know what I'm not going to do, Jeff? I'm not going to assign a motive or an intentionality to JMS on this situation, but it did occur to me. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. It definitely occurred to me. Okay. Can, can we just, uh, two things that I loved about this whole thing and they have absolutely nothing to do with each other. One, when the shuttle pod is going down into the fissure, mm -hmm. the nose of it was red hot. That was great. I loved that. And I, I mean, it, it took a half of a second of screen time. But I so appreciated that they went through the trouble of actually doing that as a special effect. Well, in a show that we know has a short, tight budget, that cost money to do that. They made yeah. a financial choice to put it there, and it was awesome. Added a whole layer of realism. Yeah. I'm going to spout my love for Ivanova. It's time. She was amazing in this episode so many ways through. One... Let's talk about her discussing with the Star Furies over comms. You're going to say this to yourself. Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova's orders and her advice. Ivanova is God. And if this ever happens again, Ivanova will rip out your lungs. She ends the comm and she looks up to the sky and goes, it's just kidding about the God part. It was so good. It was so funny. And then the other one, Okay, the line where she goes, Commander, I've got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, that was funny. I I can just picture her in the ADR studio, like the little booth, throwing out like 15 different lines. And that was not the line that I wanted them to pick in that moment. You know what I mean? It was funny, but it wasn't like, like it, it, it just didn't hit the same way. <laughs> it took me out of it. I think it was a very Ivanova thing to say. Like what she should have said is not a thing she would have said. Right. And I think that with her relationship, it made sense. But especially the second time I watched the episode and one, how very clearly in the sound engineering, that whole piece is 80 yard like that. Oh, yeah. Burr, yeah pops yeah. out at you. And then it's like, that's just could have said, I mean, OK, yeah, it's a Ivanova thing to say, but there are 14 at least other Ivanova things that could have come across. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is like they just said. Okay, Claudia, just ad lib some stuff. See what you come up with. And they all laughed at it and they said, all right, we're putting that one in because they wanted to put it in. Yeah, that's the one. That'll be so funny to put that in there. Yeah. And you know what? I'm okay with it. I've done that I've, on a creative level. I'm putting it in because I want to put it in. It makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about anybody else. Like I totally get it. But I loved when they're pulling the guy out of the thing. And she goes, she's talking about like, okay, so we've got to get back through the rocks and we, we got the breathers to worry about. And, you know, Sinclair's like, yeah, but we can't just leave him. And she's like, oh, no, 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 I'm with you. Yeah. It's just as a Russian, we have to list off the stupid, the, the level of stupidity so we can compare it for later or something like that. Here's my question, because that stood out to me. We have heard Ivanova do this several times now. I mean, this is probably at least the third or fourth time we've heard her. It's a Russian thing. It's a Russian thing. It's a Russian thing. And it hit me in that moment. J. Michael Straczynski. Mm -hmm. Is he of Russian descent? And are these things that he's writing into the show for her character that are things he has experienced in his own family? Hmm. Like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if he is um, Russian. Yeah. In, I'm no in idea. His, you know, he definitely kind of has that Slavic uh, deal. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't know all the different. I don't know how to parse that out. I, but I would like that. Like I, in my head canon, that's just JMS talking about his family. Yeah. That'd be cool. I think, I think it would be better than what I think it is, which is, Hey, we don't really know a lot about Russian culture over here in the United States. So I can say these things about, Hey, we're Russian. And it kind of mm -hmm. sounds old worldy and mystical a little bit. And well, they don't really know. So I, it's just, it's a way to add some flair to her character a little bit. Uh-huh. And without actually respecting the culture that's yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Which that could be it too, to be honest. And it, it's a little cringy today, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to laugh at it and let it go. But yeah. I, I really do hope that it's, it's, you know, JMS 
kind of going, no, no, no. Like my family's Russian and yeah, my dad did this all the time. He like, here's all the dumb things we just did and we're going to do another one. So, right. yep. Right. <laughs> that would be cool. I think you don't play a lot of video games, do you? Um, no, the few video games I play, I tend to play a lot of, Yeah, or maybe not a lot of, I tend to play the same cup handful of video games again and again and again. Do you ever play, uh, the fall, any of the fallout games? Yeah. Oh God, they're good. Fallout new Vegas. So this is going to mean nothing to you, but to the 40 people watching or listening that have played oh, Fallout We have a ton of commenters on YouTube that are all like, yeah, like every time you mention one of these, like they go crazy. So have at it. Dude, Epsilon 3 dude is totally Mr. House. And my theory on the, so in the Fallout world in New Vegas, which is, you know, Las Vegas, 200 some odd years in the future after a nuclear apocalypse, there's this guy, Mr. House, who's hooked up to life support and he's about to, Launch this robotic thing to take over Vegas, which would take over the Mojave and give mm-hmm. him, make him, you know, king, king stuff. He set a bunch of things in motion before the bombs fell so that then when they did, he could pick up the pieces, pick up the ashes and, uh, you know, be, be the big guy. What if this guy and his people or just this guy set a lot of stuff in motion decades, centuries ago that set all the races at each other's throats? That's now come to a head where not only are the Narn ready to take down the Centauri, the Minbari are apparently kind of falling apart. Earth right. is eating itself alive and he's in his little life support machine where he can still see everything that's going on and hear things that are going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you have to help me now or what I put in motion way back is going to blow up and you're all going to die. Beat for beat. It's Mr. House. Boom. Okay, sure. I'll take your word for it. I, I feel about like that the way I feel about this episode. Like I'm watching, I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it. Great. See what happens. Uh, so Big Beam apparently calls somebody through the jump gate, and there we go. So I think I want to say, I want us to guess. Not now, okay. but I want us, when we guess what the next episode is going to be about, I want us to mm-hmm. put our, our chips down on who we what we think came through the jump gate. Oh, I, I very specifically know what I think came through the jump gate. Okay. We'll talk about I'm yeah. I'm for you on that. Jeff, let's get to that part, though, where we now talk about this episode, uh, you know, analyzing it for mirror held up to culture, uh, a hope of the future. You know, is this episode trying to say anything? I think that I'm glad that we're watching this one in two parts, because in the back of my head, this next one is still going to be so overly packed that this is a nice kind of a this is like our calm before the storm. But how I feel about the episode overall, I'm going to hold off until we watch part two. I, this was table setting across the board. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withhold overall judgment. But for Star Trek, for Deltas, I, I think Delenn had some real gems in this one, right? Um, the piece on without the hope that things will get better than life is pointless. And I liked it, too, where she said that evolution is overrated. You know, so basically saying we have to get better. Every single time, or the, mm-hmm. the, the whole thing is a sham. I really, I liked Dr. Uh, Tasaki a lot. Yeah. In this, he was like, first off, he was just like a dude at work, you know, just like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, meet me at 8 a.m. We'll grab these things, load it up. Any questions? Cool. Did you see the awesome patch he had on his uniform? I don't think so. Did you see what it said that this, you, you remember like where they had, pain stick or not even pain the pain giver pain giver yeah right or like just the lame names they've come up with stuff this literally it just said earth force science team they were the entire team for all of earth force all of it the whole earth force science team just hi we got a little bomber jacket <laughs> that says says we're this we're the science team but he loved science oh my oh, god all about it yeah He's like, this is no day at work. We're happening to discover like unbelievable things that we've never uh, fathomed before. But, you know, we're just going to do it. Well, he says this line and and you you guys can go back and watch my reaction video because exactly how this went down. He goes, can you just imagine? I can't just imagine anything better than dying in the name of science. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, like I said out loud, I can think of a few better things than dying in the name of science, better ways to go yeah. than dying in the name of science. And like Ivanova says that exact same line as I'm saying it, like it was great. She's like, is it multiple choice? Cause I got a couple ideas, <laughs> right. but I think that 
the emphasis on like, we have to be better. We have to do things better. And the focus on science and discovery, like that's, that's Star Trek, those things Mm -hmm. there. But, but this episode highlighted the carnage of a terrorist attack. It set up a massive discovery and a possible threat, but didn't do anything with it. So I want to give credit where due. I'm going to give this one two deltas. What about you? I'm going to cheat. Oh, okay. Fair. I'm going to abstain from judging this episode until I see the next one. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just, I can't, I like it's so incomplete. There are lines in this episode that we've, you just mentioned a few of them. We talked about a few of them before that are incredibly star Trek. Mm -hmm. They are incredibly holding up a mirror to society, you know, but those are individual lines. It's not a message of the show. You know, yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to, like, I said, I'm gonna have to abstain from this for this particular episode until we see the conclusion next week. I assume it's a conclusion. I don't know. I think this conclusion comes at the end of season five, from what everyone's told us. We shall see. That's fair. And I will put my little asterisk that I can go back and I can bump up or down this one based on sure the next episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Well, that's it for a voice in the wilderness, a part one. Next week we're watching part two. Who came out of the jump gate, Brent? I think it was the Vorlons. I thought the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. 100%, 100%. Big, huge, a Vorlon thing. That's what I thought. In Death Walker, we learned that they interject themselves. They get involved when the stakes get high enough. Mm-hmm. Stakes are high enough. Here they are. And I think that they are going to come to get Mr. House, snag him up, and scoop up all that tech. That's going to be their goal. Yeah. I've, I have... I, I'm I'm still going back to my headcanon of um uh Delin's friend, Drawl, Drawl. Uh he's gonna be the new battery. Really? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like uh, something's going on with this planet that's like of ancient consequence or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, although you know, the idea that they, they happen to put this this uh station around this planet that was supposed to be an inhabited and now something's happened. Oh, maybe we have an answer to what happened to the first four stations. Were they? Yeah. Cause were they here? And if they were, I was, I assume they were all here. Yeah. They were all built in the same spot. Yeah. And Mr. House is like, Nope, not this one. Although, although they, they dealt with those missiles pretty handily. Like it didn't seem to really phase them that much. Yeah. So, well, we're going to find out if it was the Vorlon. Honestly, if it's not the Vorlon, I'm going to be pretty blown away. Like, Everything, in my opinion, everything this season has led to the Vorlon coming in being like, nope, this is this is the hour of scampering, and you best get to <laughs> scampering because we are taking over. <laughs> right? Yeah. But we'll find out next week. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. If you haven't already, pop over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that rating. Give us a review. We'll read it here on the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe on youtube hit the bell so you know when our new stuff is coming out and so until next time hey jeff before we sign off yeah can i get you a drink yeah it'd be great honestly it's kind of late though like i don't know you just get me some water water never touch the stuff well zabagabi it's my first time